the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have an incredible guest today who I just saw at PodFest Expo 2022 last week, Jessica Schiller-Silverman. And in case you're wondering who this badass is, a little bit about herself. She is a mentor and wellness expert for women entrepreneurs seeking freedom to blossom her business, both in cultivating community, social media presence, and building systems that sell a virtual suite of products and services with spiritual essence and heart. Through Jessica's coaching, she will guide you with mind-body empowerment tools to spark the transformation of a physical and spiritual awakening to live and feel your most alive self. From the corporate to the creative life, Jessica Silverman stepped away from a six-figure career in venture capital in San Francisco to start her own venture, all inspired initially from a podcast, and now is the host of her own podcast, Alive, A-L-I-V-E, with Jessica Silverman. Jessica, tell us what is the biggest, most badass professional and personal accomplishments you're most proud of? By the way, thank you for calling me a badass. I love it. (laughs) Actually, one of the first books that I read, she just talked about this yesterday with a guest on my show, is Jen Sincero's book. That was one of the very first spiritual development books that I read while I was still in corporate called You Are a Badass. So again, this is a beautiful kind of continuation of that in kind of going back, right, to really see what have I accomplished since quitting my corporate job, right? So professionally, we'll start with that. That is one of my biggest accomplishments was stepping away from a six-figure income, from a career that I studied, not only my bachelor's degree that I got from University of Florida, but I got my master's in corporate finance from the NSU School of Entrepreneurship. So in my mind, especially with family and everything and all the money they've invested in me, it was just like, how could I do this? And I don't know if you know this, Andrew, but I did it the year that I got married. So 20, (laughs) yeah. It was right. The year that I quit was early. Well, it was kind of when I was transitioning and starting my business early 2016 and didn't have a plan, didn't have you know income in the bank. I lived wow. in San Francisco, one of the most expensive cities in the United States. So that's why this is a big accomplishment to me because I stepped away from a lot without a plan, which is really mm-hmm. hard in itself. That tenacious spirit, that faith, that undying kind of dedication to know that that this is more powerful than my circumstances, right? And everything I was going through. So I quit my job without a plan, without knowing anything, without knowing. I mean, there were so many months where honestly, Andrew, like I didn't know my husband, I didn't know fiance at the time if we could pay rent. So we leveraged some of the wedding money, right? I'm just being completely vulnerable to make my business work. But like, that's how dedicated I was. So that's a really professional accomplishment that I want to share is that I stepped away from it all. And yes, I did transition slowly. I had some kind of part-time things to start just to be completely vulnerable. Like I didn't just throw it all sheet to the wind and hope that it all kind of falls into place. But that was a big leap for me. Number one, to walk away from everything that I knew that I studied for eight plus years than I worked in for 15 years, right? And it's like, how could I throw that all away? And my dad didn't even know that I had done that until the wedding, the rabbi actually said something to my dad. I found this out later. 
at the wedding and he goes, oh my gosh, well, your daughter, I started wellness coaching. He goes, what your daughter's doing is amazing. And he goes, what is my daughter doing? She works in a <laughs> capital in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and so I found out like, actually, as we were boarding the plane to Hawaii for our honeymoon, I didn't know my dad knew. And he said something on the phone and it was like this really awkward moment where like you had to shut your cell phone off and he, he dropped this bomb on me. And then I was just like, oh my gosh, he knows you know, holy shit. <laughs> Excuse wow. me. Wow. Oh my god. So gosh. like all of that, it's like the emotional aspect, the family, the, you know, what you studied is not what you continue to do. But it's funny because as I've evolved in my business now, it's going on eight years. It's like, I realized that I needed that background to support that. Like I literally got my master's in the school of entrepreneurship, right? Not knowing what type of entrepreneurship. I mean, my last corporate job was actually venture capital. I was funding literally other people's dreams, pressing a button from our Wells Fargo account, millions and billions of dollars for tech startups, for the company that is connected to Waze, which then became Google. I mean, we're talking like big, right? Big venture capital funds and mm -hmm. companies in the industry in Silicon Valley. And I used to sit there with a notebook every day and just literally just journal my dreams. And one day I just said, why am I literally funding other people's dreams when I have my own? When is it time? to fund my own dreams. And that's where podcasting, I listened every, our commute was three plus hours on a good day. Jeez. From, we lived in the uh, East Bay area. So it's really only a half hour drive, but with the crazy San Francisco traffic, it took us that long to get to and from work every day. And podcasting became my solace. I used to listen to stories and episodes and wisdom, just all these people just living their dream life, like stepping away. And so that's really what inspired me. So that's kind of my my biggest professional accomplishment. And then of course, along the way is everything I've created. Like you and I mm -hmm. talked at PodFest and you asked me about my membership. Yeah, that's just one arm of what I do. Yes, I serve clients one-on-one. -on -one. I've had masterminds. I have had group programs. Now I have a quarterly group program that I run. I have my podcast. Like there's just so many, I'm looking now to get on Insight Timer, which is a whole nother platform that I'd like to become sort of a spiritual teacher on that platform. I'm just really proud of, of what I've built kind of learning it on my own, just in full disclosure, like not putting too much emphasis on experts, but just trusting my own intuition, doing my own research. Like I, I love learning. And so honestly, like any, for anyone listening, I mean, there's so much you can find just by Googling and doing the research. I mean, there's just so much out there, like leverage that. Right. And that's a lot of what I did kind of along my path. And I'm just really, really proud of what has evolved, you know, in these seven to eight years because most people, right, the average business or entrepreneur lasts a year, maybe two years. And then mm -hmm. I just had a guest on my podcast who she's 25 years old. I talked to her earlier today. She not only has a podcast, she has a her whole podcast agency and she's 25. She started at 24. Wow. He's like top 30 under 30. She's like a top podcast in five countries, like a top 10 podcaster at the age of 24, 25. And I was so impressed by that because of her age. But, but the message behind that was like, you're never, age doesn't matter. Right. It's like, sure. I wish I could have done this at 25, but Hey, it wasn't available when I was 25, right. Not to give away my age or anything. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just proud of, you know, professionally what I've created, but more so the tenacity that I've endured. Right. And that's what we were talking about is pod fading, right. How most podcasts only last, you know, so many episodes, and then they fade away, right? But I knew from the very moment, so I told her that I recorded my first solo episode, I knew that pod, I wouldn't become a statistic of pod fading. Like this would be something that would help me build my legacy. Now I'm authoring my first book. I mean, this is just 
the beginning of a legacy that I hope to leave in my life. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And there's so many different directions we can take this. And I like how we're, we're diving right into it is that uh, what I imagine is the listener for this episode right now is someone who's also working a corporate job and they're like, gosh, I don't want to work for someone else's dreams. I want to create my own dreams, but I don't have that much savings or I don't know how to get the savings. I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how to quit cold turkey. So I, I doubt that you quit your full-time job with $0 in your account and then you hitchhiked your way to San Francisco and then uh, slept on the road for a couple of weeks. Like you had somewhat of a plan when you quit your job, right? <laughs> Somewhat. I mean, that's that's a little bit. <laughs> no, I wasn't hitchhiking on the side of the road like a lot of people do in San Francisco or living you know, out of a van or anything like that. I mean, I did have my Christmas bonus, which mm-hmm. gave me about three months worth of income mm-hmm. to live. Mm-hmm. But I gave myself that. My husband actually quit his job, too, at the same time. So wow. it did put us in a really uncomfortable position. But yeah, my leverage at the time was the three months. And like I said, whatever came in, like wedding money, went back into my business. Mm-hmm. Right. So it sort of was divine. It seemed like the wrong time, but then the right time. Right. Because a lot of people use that to buy, you know, kitchen. I mean, and you're planning your wedding too, right? Like kitchen accessories and a home. And it's like at that moment in my life, I just surrendered that because my business was my my priority. Right. And, and I know? also had part time income. So I think that's really important is to, and that's why I never recommend to my clients like, yeah, fuck it, quit your job. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it'll work. Yeah. And I'll just pray and meditate and, you know, everything mm-hmm. will be okay. Like, I believe in a little bit of structure and a little bit of spirit, right? Having that faith. So have a part-time plan or as I always thought about, use your corporate job as your investor. Like if you could shift your mindset to that perspective, I literally saw my corporate job as I was transitioning or thinking about quitting right before I did it as my investor, instead of saying, oh, I hate this job. Oh, this is just a means to a paycheck or to pay the bills. No, they're investing in my future business. And I think that mindset shift is monumental when you're thinking of transitioning. Interesting. I, I like that is, uh, yeah, understanding because I, um, I haven't read the book yet, but I've heard in the book Shoe Dog with Phil Knight, like he literally, even though he literally started Nike, one of the biggest companies in the world, he didn't leave his full-time accounting job till he was like 35. Uh-huh. And up until then, he was still living with his parents in their, in their basement <laughs> like yeah. while, while you're building one of the biggest companies in the world. And so I like that perspective that it's okay to fund your your business, your your full-time job with other part-time job working for other people, essentially. So, okay. so I like how you reinforce that. And, and speaking of investing, how did you know what to invest in or how to invest your, your money to make sure you were building your business in the beginning? Like, how did you know where to send your money to make sure your business was growing in the beginning? In terms of like in the stock market or like investing in programs and structure? Yes. In my business? Correct. Program? Yeah. Program structure yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. How did I know? Honestly, Andrew, it's a combination of like doing the right research, right? Like testing, like for instance, a lot of programs and platforms, they give you a free trial, right? So mm-hmm. leverage that for the month, test it out, right? See if it speaks to you, right? Because even with the clients I work with now, I could recommend, for instance, Member Vault, which is where I have a lot of my programs and courses and offerings all in one centralized hub. But some of it doesn't speak to them. They're like, oh, what about Kajabi or what about this program? Right. Or, you know, should I be on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube? Like, what is the right platform? I really think there's a part of research that goes into it, right, to see if, you know, it's cost effective, you know, if it works for you, if it really just resonates with your soul. Like, for instance, I'm not on Facebook, just full disclosure, as much as I was when I started my business, my whole business was started on Facebook. I have a wonderful group, a Facebook group that I've built with like 1,500 people. Of course, wow. today that's kind of hard. So I'm kind of glad I got in at the right time, you know, 2015, mm-hmm. 2016. But you have to pick 
platforms and programs that really like speak to your soul, right? So try it and then just kind of ask yourself, well, how does this feel when I'm on here, right? How does the colors feel? How does the branding feel? Is it too complicated? That's honestly the question that I asked myself from the get-go. Is it intuitive? Is it user-friendly, right? Because I remember, I don't know if you've heard of lead pages, you know, to create landing pages. When I first signed up for it, I signed up and I went all in. So that's another piece of advice I give you. If they have an annual plan or a two-year or three-year, invest for the future. Mm, Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think about, oh, like, yeah, use the free trial. But then if it works for you, like I invested in two years, right? You're telling, you know, spiritually, you're telling the universe, hey, I'm ready for this, right? But energetically, your body and your brain will react that way too, because you know, you're in it, right? It's like, you've got, you got the skin in the game, right? So that's one piece of advice I would give. And then just honestly, like, see what speaks to you. Experimentation is a huge part of it. I mean, I'm still testing different platforms, leveraging technology changes by the second. I mean, even at PodFest, I learned about new platforms uh, and programs I can use for podcasting. I know Owl just had their launch party. Mm-hmm. I spoke to one of the gentlemen from there. So I signed up for Owl. I mean, I'm always trying and testing new things. But at the end of the day, I also look for programs that integrate well with each other. So I'm not trying to manage, right, 10 different things at once. Member Vault speaks to active campaigns, speaks to this social media platform, which leverages with Canva, which, right? So it's all integrated well. So I don't have to use programs like Zapier or something like that, where then you have to create zaps and this whole kind of funnel and formula. I'm a yeah. simpleton. So like KISS is always my motto, like keep it simple. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. And which um, investments or resources or tools have been the most um, beneficial to your business to help grow you out of curiosity? So I mentioned it earlier, but Member Vault has been mm-hmm. a game changer for me for many ways. And the amazing thing about it, they're actually, you're from Oregon, right? Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. They're yep. from Oregon as well. It's oh. a husband and wife couple. So I've been with them from the ground up. And then I invested as soon as there was an opportunity back in 2018, I believe, three or four years ago, to be a founding member. So I'm not just saying this because I'm a founding member. Like I've already paid it off. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> I can invest in anything at this point, right? I'm not continuing to pay for it. But I went again, all in, all skin in the game because I had tried and tested it for two years. It literally hosts everything. So when you say, what is my website? I send you there and it's like a playground. It's like the apples, they call it the Apple store experience where once mm. you go there, you could try the iPad, the iPhone, you can test out different accessories, right? There's a blend of free and paid programs right? The paid is kind of grayed out. The free is kind of there for you to download. I think it really gives you a good sense of who the person is, what their branding is. You can add everything for your podcast, your one-on-one programs, literally everything that you offer all in one centralized website. So again, it keeps it simple. It's super easy to use. And the couple who create it, they're consistently adding new and new features and programs. So now they're adding a community component to it. That's pretty new. They're adding a blogging feature. You can host your blog on there. I mean, they're just continuing to listen to customer feedback and then implementation like immediately or within six months. So I think that's really priceless, especially in today's society, the customer service, the wisdom, the technology, the ease of use. For emails is Active Campaign. That's the second actually email platform program Mm -hmm. that I use. I started on Aweber and I just love it. I mean, the automations that are capable with Active Campaign, it works seamlessly again with Member Vault. So that's really been a game changer for me. And in terms of social, I mean, I'm big on Instagram. 
but I'm looking now to get more on Insight Timer. It's an amazing platform. There's so much you can do with it. I'm listed as a teacher on there, but now I'm looking to set up going live on there. So it's just for me, especially in the spiritual space, it's a wealth of opportunity on that platform. I love that. And yeah. And how did you learn? Did you learn sales at your previous job? Did you do anything sales related? Nope. I'm a, I was a behind the scenes girl. I prepared the numbers for the sales guys to present. So I didn't have any of that in my background. I mean, outside of I went to business school and I learned, you know, traditional marketing and all of that okay. in college and in my master's program, but not in my career. Now I learned all of that through experience, you know, on the fly and something that I preach about all the time, and I'm sure you've heard me say this before, to me, it's not sales, it's sharing, right? Like your business is an extension of your energy. Your greatest currency and your greatest resource is your energy. Like if I could have a dollar for every time somebody said, oh my God, Jessica, I love your energy, right? I used to get yeah. offended by it. I'm like, that's all you think I am. I'm just, <laughs> don't you know what I offer, right? But mm-hmm. that's your currency, right? Because Someone doesn't invest in your program. They invest in the hope that you can help them get the results. They trust you. So I just think that is your greatest currency and your greatest resource to leverage. Well, and how did you learn to get such good energy to like to bring that that authenticity to get people to, to buy from you? Honestly, just being vulnerable and sharing my story. And that's why I speak a lot about mental health because that, especially now, I mean, I didn't start that way. I started with wellness and then I moved into entrepreneurship. I kind of pivot based on what my audience is asking for, right? Mm -hmm. So like, like attracts like, and it's not like I'm just speaking to what people want. I always tune in to see if it resonates with my soul and, and my story behind it. Like, can I authentically speak to this? Right. So I had I started with wellness coaching, which was more centered around holistic wellness and healing. Then I had all these women. I noticed all my clients are like, hey, how did you start your business? I'm like, aren't we working on wellness? And they're like, no, no, no. (laughs) What you've done with your business. It's amazing. Like, I want to learn from that. And so I spoke to myself and said, well, can I teach this? Of course, because I've lived Mm -hmm. it because I've done it. Right. So then it's a matter of deconstructing and going backwards and then just compartmentalizing that into steps. Right. That you can teach your audience. So that's what I always do. And now I'm in the mental health space. So again, my story is very passionate to me, but the more I continue to go against the stories, the trauma, the subconscious programming, the more I kind of break through those hurdles, that gives me the power to do everything that I do, right? Because I've I've proven that those stories are not true, right? Mm -hmm. And I continue to do that every day. I would say every time I show up at the mic, and I don't feel like it. I mean, that's just another notch higher that I'm able to elevate myself and my messages. And it's like, you feel that with your soul and you just, you just radiate that outwards, right? You just, just be yourself, you know? And that's, that's something that took me a long time. Cause when I first started my business, I was trying to be like everybody. Oh, I like this person. Oh, I like what they do. I'm going to do what they do. Oh, this person. Wow. They're an expert on this. I'm going to do that. Right. It's easy to get caught up in the FOMO. And the more I've just kind of stood in my own power and spoke my own truth and my own story and not worry or give a you know hoot about cancel culture, what someone's going to think, it just becomes stronger and more resonant. Hmm. I, I love that. I love that. And I know that that is one of the top things that people struggle with is caring what other people think. 
And it's a it's a double edged sword because you need to care because that's how you get people to buy from you. But you also of can't course. care because you have to live your authentic self <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way. And and speaking of feelings, so so talking more about mental health. You know, some people say that success in life is ninety percent m- mindset and ten percent skills. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you make sure that you maintain your good mindset and strong mental health? Yeah. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. And just to go back to what you said before, it's not that I don't care what everybody, it's it's that I don't care what actually, sorry, I don't care what everybody thinks. Yeah. Because if you try to speak to everyone, like they say, you speak to no one, right? So it's not Mm -hmm. that I don't care about anyone. It's I don't care about everyone. Right. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) Literally. You can't speak to everyone. Like I actually just said this to my guest on the last uh, podcast episode that I interviewed, the expression that says, you know, you can be the juiciest peach in the patch. And guess what? Somebody's not going to like peaches, Andrew. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might be the peach that day that just doesn't. Right. So it's like if you get caught up too much in that, you lose the essence of like your own authenticity. Right. And your own inner power. So I just wanted to, to speak to that. But your statistic, I believe that if not more. Right. So you said 90 percent mindset, 10 percent skill. You can't do the skill. Take the intentional action. Right. The 10 percent if you don't have the mindset behind it. And and now I'm speaking from a mental health perspective. Right. Because there are so many points on my path when I started the last two years of my journey were just in complete vulnerability. I was stuck in the abyss in a deep, dark vortex of daily depression panic attacks, anxiety. I call myself high functioning. So I was still able to do the thing, but that 10% was not a full 10%. It was like, I literally was giving the residual whatever I had in me. Right. And that was just a battle in itself. Right. So if you're in, first of all, if anyone's in that place, just know you're not alone, right. Give yourself grace But I think the mindset, and that's what I do with all of my clients when we start on a three-month package or six-month, whatever we do, or even one session, it all starts with the mindset around it. What are the stories that you tell yourself? What have you tried before that you feel you it didn't work, right? Because again, they're all stories that we tell ourselves, right? Oh, this isn't for me, or oh, I'm not meant to do this, or I'm not a speaker, I'm not an author, I'm an imposter, right? So to me, the mindset is everything because that 10% can't happen without it, right? It's almost a hundred percent, but of course a hundred, we need some part of right. Taking action to make that work. So I would say more 95, five. Well, that, that's interesting. You mentioned how you're, you're high functioning anxiety, depressed person. That, that's an interesting topic because, you know, a lot of people, feel like they justify reasons holding them back from what they want to accomplish in life, what they want to do. Like, oh, I would do that, but, um, you know, I, I, I grew up poor. I would do that, but I'm, I'm depressed. I would do that, but I'm anxious. So how do you make that switch that like, yes, I'm depressed. Yes, I'm anxious, but I'm still going to do it today anyway. Um, how do you navigate that? Yeah. And that's a great question. And that's exactly what high functioning means. It's like, I feel it, but I do it anyway. Right. And it's funny because I was sitting at, when I was at PodFest, actually, in our VIP room where the coffee and the drinks are set up. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. It's like, I always say God, universe, spirit puts you in a certain place at the right time. So I don't know what led me. I think my husband said, oh, can you get me a coffee? I went in there and I heard a girl standing around the cooler saying exactly that. She goes, you know what I just, to someone else, you know what I just realized? She goes, I have high functioning anxiety. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, right after I did my talk. So I said, I don't mean to interject, but 
hey, you're not alone. Like I have mm-hmm. high functioning anxiety too, right? And so that's my point in that whole story is that that's sort of the first step is finding the community, right? To know you're not alone. Like I wouldn't have been able to work through my depression and my anxiety, which you call like little T trauma. That's kind of the, the every day that just kind of stops you and keeps you stuck. If I didn't have help, resources, mentors, and most importantly, communities that I could connect to, to heal myself. That's Mm -hmm. why I've created my own community in the pandemic through my healing. The first year was all about me. The second year, 2021, I said, okay, now I have to help other people. Now I have to take what I've learned in my own journey. And even if there are certain days where I have a migraine or I just don't feel like it, honestly, as soon as I get to the mic and I log into Zoom, like my podcast is called, I'm not being cliche, I come alive Mm -hmm. because it's my purpose, right? Even I spoke about this at PodFest, the whole, I hadn't been around that many people IRL in two years. So like the whole experience for me brought up social anxiety, brought up pandemic anxiety and brought up speaking on stage, right? Which a lot of people have that fear, right? Some of them, they say it's like the biggest fear outside of death, right? Is like speaking on, on a virtual stage or on a real stage, right? I'd done the virtual stage virtually, but speaking on a stage is something I hadn't done in years. So in my mind, I'm like, do I still know how to do this? Like, (laughs) right, just all this build up. But I tell you, the minute I stepped on that stage and my presentation wasn't working and it was like a disaster up until the minute I started the presentation, but I had to step on that stage and do that to then realize that all the work I'd been doing before gave me the courage and the strength to do that in that moment right? It's kind of like meditation. Like people say, meditation doesn't work for me. I try. Oh my God, I have so many thoughts. I can't shut off the thoughts, but that's not the point of meditation. You, of course you have thoughts. You're human. I still have thoughts. I mean, it's rare that I go 30 seconds without a thought in meditation, right? Yeah. The point is not the stat, like 45,000 thoughts per day or or something like that. (laughs) It's it's crazy. I think more like 60 to 70,000 thoughts, 80% Mm -hmm. of which are negative. No. Yes. Yeah. For the average human? The average human. Yes. I mean, of course, there are outliers, right? Some people yeah. more, some people less. But yeah, inherently we're programmed because in the caveman days, and why is it? It's a protection mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. We use negativity or kind of this negativity bias as a means to protect. We think we're protecting ourselves, right? But we're really not. Mm-hmm. But going back to saying more about meditation, It's to build a practice that when you're in that situation where you have to face the fear, you have to face anxiety, you have to face the depression, you have almost like inherent insurance within you that you've built up over time. You planted seeds, you plant, and that's how I can continue to do that. Because behind the scenes, in my own time, every morning, actually, Andrew, for two hours, I have a whole ritual of what I do to sort of, in Tony Robbins, prime myself Mm -hmm. to do what I do, right? If I didn't do that, I would keep getting sucked in to the vortex, right? But more recently, this year was a the most kind of monumental struggle for me to work through. The beginning of this year, you know, I had the thing and I was I was sick. I was out for like a month and a half. And it just it just crippled me in so many different ways. I was like, I can't show up for my people. I can't like I literally felt like crippled from what I was doing. And what got me through that is seeking help. Like I said, I, I got an insight timer or I listened to a podcast. Or I tapped into some type of healing modality that reminded me that there's there's a light beyond my darkness right now. Like there is hope. 
I think I posted it on Instagram right after I did my podcast talk that evening. We went outside. It was like happy hour. And there was a giant, there was a storm and then a giant rainbow. Wow. And like, that just reminds me of like, it's like God universe, like kind of smiling at you. Like you did this. Right. And here's the, here's the hope after the storm. Mm-hmm. Right? There's always hope after the storm and rainbows, of course, embody that. And then there was another one. It was a double rainbow, which they say is good luck. So <laughs> yes, uh, two, the number two, that's one of your themes, right? Yeah. Double. Yep. <laughs> so I, I like that. How you say like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious but I know there's hope. I know I'm, I need to ask for help. Why is it that some people ask for help and seek help, seek solutions and other people, you know, they, they keep going down the rabbit hole in the dark hole of just saying, Oh, I'll figure it out my own. And then they think that isolating and figuring out their own is going to help. Like, what is that difference maker? Do you think? I think it comes down to one word. I'm going to simplify it. Safety, safe. Mm. They don't feel safe. Right. So when somebody doesn't ask for help, Either, well, I'll say two things, the two, right? The double meaning. Number one is they don't feel safe. Number two, they don't know where to go for help, Hmm. right? So even a lot of times this goes for mental health, but this also goes for business, right? What programs, where do we start? What works? What's the best investment? You know, how do I know that this energy is going to be worth the return? I always kind of think in finance terms, right? But especially when it comes to mental health and kind of working through those demons, not knowing where to turn, right? I mean, isolation is isolation because somebody feels safe to only be with themselves, right? And the effects, just to share, I don't know if you heard the statistics, the effects of long-term isolation is equivalent to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Wow. So even in moments where, you know, I am a ambivert, right? I'm an, I call myself an extroverted introvert. I well, want what to- What qualifies as isolation, exactly? Exactly what you said, like feeling like you're in the abyss, but not reaching out for help, like kind of closing yourself off. It doesn't have to necessarily be physical connection, although that is a huge part of it, but just isolating yourself emotionally, isolating yourself mentally, just not reaching out for the resources. Like you said, saying, oh, I can do this on my own, right? Again, on my own, right? I'm, you know, a woman on an island and I can do it all myself, right? That knowing that, you know, we're... We have two eyes and one ears for a reason, right? I mean, mm-hmm. two ears and one yeah. mouth. I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. question, right? Meaning we're meant to hear and learn from other people, right? We have one mouth. We are only one, right? But the two, that's why I love the two. It's the power of the collective, right? When two voices, just like this interview, you could do a solo episode or you can have a guest and we could have a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I know personally from my own podcast, the guest episodes are more highly downloaded because you kind of get to feel like you're in the room, like sitting on the couch with a glass of wine, like in our in our conversation, like you're part of it, but like you can still be isolated in your own way, but you're part of it, right? So even even just tapping and listening to a podcast, right, is a form of connection. That's I call my podcast a community, right? Logging into social media and connecting with groups online, right? That's a form of connection. So just any time where you're reaching out for help, for guidance, for connection, right, and for community helps work through that that long-term isolation that I spoke about, which has been more prevalent since the pandemic, of course. So I'm thinking about, I mean, like some people, they they love being alone. Like they they love, yeah, just, just hang out by themselves and, and not spending time with other people. And maybe it's because they're not spending time with the right people in the first place, maybe because they haven't found their passion or purpose yet that the, in order to serve others. 
And so I, I guess I'm just thinking more about that. If, if you're isolated, you, it's like equivalent to smoking one pack of cigarettes per day, but you're talking about that sense and the sense of purposefully avoiding recognizing what your purpose is and, and recognizing the um, who it is that you do want to spend time with. I'm just trying to break that down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just any connection with the outside world. Right. And, and notice I said long-term isolation, right? So, Hey, I have days where I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be, you know what I mean? And like, even as you were saying it, like, Oh, person who loves to be alone. Like, that's me. Like, I honestly, I know this sounds a little right. Maybe a, egotistical, but like, I love my own energy. I love being with myself. Like I am not afraid. Some people are just afraid to be alone. Like they always need to be around other people. They love to be like, they like to play team sport. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I have always been someone who just loves kind of the singular, right. In that aspect, like I love yoga. I like things that I have like my own personal sort of practice. So I am that kind of person. So like when I speak, I speak from a place of compassion, but it's that long-term isolation where you're just completely cutting yourself off from help, from resources, from any sort of connection. Think like living in a cabin in the woods with no cell service for two years. Right. So, so is that, is that what counts as long-term? It has to be years, plural, or can it be, it be months, plural, weeks, plural? What, what's what counts as long-term years, isolation? I mean, it, I think it's different for everyone, right? I mean, obviously longer would be more detrimental because it's less and less human contact, but exactly what I experienced, I wouldn't have experienced that social anxiety of podcast podfest if i wouldn't have not been around that many people for two years like that was two years that mm-hmm. i wasn't yeah. in a conference in a community around thousands of people right speaking on a stage in front of you know hundreds of people like it, it conditions it reconditions your body and your brain to a new reality and again there, there's nothing wrong with it but if you're trying to accomplish things in the world you know this is called rapid results if you have goals if you have big dreams you can't do it alone, right? We, we can't we can't live on an island and accomplish what we want to do to have the greatest impact. Again, not even about the money. It's about the impact. Like everything I do, it's not for me. It's because I want to have global reach, right? I want to help everyone in my aura, right? So it's not mm-hmm. about me. And if it's for me, it's so I can help push that energy back out to everyone that is in my aura, in my orbit. Mm. And so, so going on top of that with you mentioning that you, you want to serve others and your aura, like, you know, who your market is, you serve women. Have you ever experienced any quote unquote haters or people who tore you down or made fun of you or just hurt you in some, in some way? And while you're trying to promote yourself, I'm curious about that. All the time, Andrew, all the time. I always say, if you don't have haters, you're not putting yourself out there. Right. Then you're kind of being a people pleaser, right? It's like you speak mm-hmm. to this audience, you're one, you wear one hat, you know, or one mask you put on this audience. Oh, now I'm this personality, right? It's like, I am me all the time. I mean, of course I have, you know, different personas based on like family and, and work and all of that, just like we all do. But yeah, I mean, I can tell you tons of stories. I mean, even going back to when I first started my business, I was a wellness coach. I posted a before and after picture. So I'll just tell you the story because it's kind of funny. And now that I look back, it's, it's a beautiful story. But I posted a before and after picture. And right after I did, I had like hundreds of comments. It started with one negative one. And of course, you know, just like Twitter, it's like the negativity bias, just like it feeds off itself like a, like a virus, you know, it just like keeps going. Somebody mm-hmm. said, that's not you. It must be an airbrush photo. You're fake. This is bullshit, right? And I got offended because I've worked really hard 
to lose the weight, to put myself out there, to share what I've done to live a healthy lifestyle from living a toxic lifestyle, not only career, but in my own personal health and wellness. So like that hit me at my core and I was continuing to read it. And I was like showing my husband at the time, like, what do I do? Like the negative comments weren't stopping. Right. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I'm going to put something positive out there and see if it (laughs) shifts the energy of the conversation. So my husband jumped in. I don't know what he said, but Andrew, just like negativity can spread like wildfire. One positive comment can break the cycle. So he Mm. said something like, oh, actually, I don't see that because blah, 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 kind of shaming the other person for what they were doing, showing them the reality of the situation. That guy apologized, then apologized in the thread, reached out to me, the one who originally started the comment and was basically like, why do you care so much? Like, why? Why does this? You know, and I said, because it's personal. Like, I'm literally putting my body a before and after picture. Like, it's something that emotionally has been hard for me and I've worked through. And he said, I'm going to send you a book. Actually, he didn't even tell me. He just said, I have something for you, whatever. A month later from Amazon in the mail, I get a book from this guy, Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection, How to Embrace, right? Your Imperfections as Gifts. Wait, wait, wait. The the guy who originally mocked you and made fun of you when he saw the positive comment that made it, that verified it was a real before and after photo, he said, sorry, and then sent you a book about imperfections in people. Yeah, The Gifts of Imperfection. It's actually a motivational book written by Brene Brown, kind of like how to use your imperfections as like a gift, like your superpower. And I just thought so that was funny. He it was, was trying to inspire like, you after originally tearing you down? Yeah, yeah. And that actually, <laughs> on my book club, it was one of my favorite books ever and turned me on to Brene Brown. I mean, she's amazing. That's what she speaks about. She does her TEDx talks on all around imperfection and working through vulnerability, like the power of vulnerability. But that gave me the courage to be like, I don't really care. I mean, you're always going to have haters. There's always going to be somebody. First of all, it's never about you. It's their own trauma, which has taken me a while to learn. Like it's something within them. It has nothing to do with you. We're all mirrors. Like what you see in me, Andrew, is a perception of your own lens of something within you, right? Mm -hmm. Conversely, what I see in you is what I see in me, right? So Mm -hmm. when somebody is a hater, they're just seeing life through their own lens and their own reality. Well, this is the most unique hater I've ever heard. Like, it sounds like um, <laughs> it sounds like he's like a monk who like put you through a test <laughs> and then found out you passed. He's like, good job, my own Padawan. Here's your gift as a congratulations mm-hmm. for passing my test. Like, is this is this what this guy goes around doing? He's just sending negative comments to people. And then they say something positive back. He goes, congratulations. And then sends him a book. Like, I'm so, <laughs> that's, like that's whenever, so mind boggling to me. <laughs> whenever someone says haters, it's like that. And daily i kind of go through this and not like directly but like i can feel when somebody's comments are like jealousy or you know they feel like you're at a place where they're not you know that kind of a thing and someone's just like oh good for you andrew or oh you did this right it's kind of like snarky like i consider that haters too so they're not i don't get that directly on social media now more in dms but yeah it's been a process of me again remembering that hey it's not about me it's someone else's trauma. And then remembering that story of like, hey, one negative comment can create toxicity within your body, within social media, but one positive one can do just the same and the opposite. Mm. I, I like that because I think it's, um, it, you know, when I was, uh, so my parents got divorced at eight and I've always been obsessed with what makes a successful relationship. And one of the things I like is that for every negative interaction you have with your partner, you need at least minimum seven positive interactions. 
And I think that's, I think it's with the mindset wise, I think you only need like one positive mindset for every 10 negative uh, mindsets to offset each other. Like, cause the mm-hmm. power of, cause you were like, uh, and where did you see that 80% of your thoughts are, are negative? Where, where did you see that? It's a statistic. I remember I researched it long ago. I mean, Google it. You'll see it's something around that ballpark, right? It's like 50, 60,000 thoughts per day, like 80, like 75 to 80% are negative. Jeez. And so that 20%, you have to really be intentional to <laughs> really be positive each day because the negative stuff is going to come anyway. It's going to happen no matter what. So yeah. that, that's so fascinating. Like the the importance of like the focus of like, no, 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 I really got to focus on being yeah. positive. Otherwise I'm going to be overwhelmed by my own thoughts essentially. Yeah. Or just look up, Google the term negativity bias, right? It's like mm-hmm. inherent within us. And I mean, we don't have to know, like go on social media or go in like some of these threads and like you see, or just turn on the TV or don't turn on the TV, but like forget even the news. I don't know if you ever noticed this, Andrew, but on Hulu or like Netflix, what they showcase, like I've started to notice this more and more because now I'm aware and awake to it all. It's all negative programming. It's like they're pumping these things into your like aura by like putting it right front and center, kind of like a vision board. So it's like every time I log in, it's like the murder of so-and-so or the, you know, the danger of this or like some kind of scandal like show or somebody's cheating on somebody. And like, I don't know, I kind of have to believe that that to a degree like affects our society, like kind of like what they say about video games, right? How it like makes children more violent. Like I I believe to a degree, some people are more sensitive than others. I know I'm one of them, so I can't subject myself to negative programming. But if we already have a biological negativity bias, then society, right, follows that formula and creates more of that negativity, right? In what we see, what we watch, what we tune into, that feeds the beast, right? Well, that, What's interesting about what Netflix promotes, because I would say, you know, Netflix is based on the algorithms. I'm, I'm assuming you have watched a scandal show or drama never, show at one never, point. Never, never. So which shows do you normally watch? Like never. nature shows? Or, or I mean, like, which on, the, on the bottom, the algorithm works where it says like shows you might like, but I'm talking mm-hmm. about like on Amazon, when you turn on like we have the fire stick, what they're showcasing. Mm-hmm. It's always either it's something like the theme of the month, like, okay, now it's pride. That's awesome. Like, I'm all for that. Yeah. But it's when they show like these like documentaries or whatever's kind of happening in the media, it's like they're showing it to you on your Netflix, whatever programming is, Amazon. Amazon's really good at that. So it's part algorithm, but part programming, kind of like Facebook, right? Where it's like they only show you certain things and certain people, right? A lot of it's, it could be paid ads. It could be like part algorithm, right? But I do believe some of it is intentional to feed a certain narrative and a, and a certain agenda, and that's where we kind of have to protect our peace a bit. Yeah, I know that's what I've learned. Is I've definitely woken up more and more to to media and news and uh, and what's going on and why they're pushing certain things and they make a lot of money off it bleeds it leads and and death and fear and and so being aware of that and with with the video games thing too though I mean I I understand people are coming from but. The stat to counter that is that I believe North Korea or, or, or sorry South Korea has like the highest video game players amounts in the world, and they have the least amounts of violence in the world. And so I, I don't think video games correlate to video games I mean to violence, but I mean I'm well, sure no, not directly, but it's also yeah. culture, right? Like I mean, look at American yeah. culture and look at Korean culture. You know what I mean? Like the East versus too. the West, right? Mm-hmm. I just mean it's kind of more of this like Western mentality and mindset. Like for instance, I don't know if you knew this, but. In Europe and a lot of other countries outside of the United States, drug commercials like pharma are banned. 
like drug promotion, what? it's banned. Wow. They're not, they're not allowed to, like pharma companies are not allowed. But like every time I have a commercial on Hulu, it's you need this pill. Oh, it'll change your life and this pill. Right. And it's like nothing against the pharma industry, but like, why so much? Why so yeah. often? Right. It's just like it's mm-hmm. continuously in your face. And it's like you don't have a choice other than either not to watch any of the streaming services or like I do. I just mute it. <laughs> so I just mute yeah. the commercials and I go on my phone and I look at things that I want to see. And then when the commercial's done, I tune back. So. Well, I mean, I think it's okay to speak out against the big pharma industry because I just saw today, I know uh, Mark Cuban for a while, he started a new company where he only does like a 15 to 20% markup on medicine and stuff where the, the common markup is like 100 to 1000% on I'm like life-saving medication. And like, yeah. like you heard with like that benefit pen, like people literally need this to survive and they're charging $600 for it. It's like, <laughs> what the heck? And so, yeah, it's... Um, I, I've definitely learned like more and more the importance of natural medicine. And mm-hmm. I recommend uh, for those listening, checking out the history of big pharma and like how the natural medicine industry got eliminated because of the Rockefellers when they found out they could make money off the medicine industry. But um, that's mm-hmm. a podcast for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, a documentary? Uh, I'm sure there's, there's documentaries about it. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of t- Twitter threads and books and stuff about like basically yeah, when Rockefeller found out he could make medicine, I think from petroleum oil or something like that, he found a way to not, not blackmail, but basically eliminate the natural medicine industry so that mm-hmm. he'd be endorsed by doctors, quote unquote, to have people trust mm-hmm. his medicine rather than natural medicine kind of thing. So exactly. it's, it's a whole thing. And yeah, no, it's, it's definitely fascinating. And so that's why it goes back to like, and yeah, and today, you know, I was reading a thread about seed oils. People don't realize how harmful seed oils are and like the fact that our bodies haven't evolved to consume them yet. And that's why heart disease is spiking, obesity is spiking, and people are having all these health problems because they're having too much vegetable oils in their diet. Um, oh, and so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being aware of that too. And, and so, oh yeah, so, so anyway, so circling back to... Your, your journey though, and, and talking about that. So what was like the, the moment for you where you're like, oh my gosh, like <sighs> I finally made it as a, as a full-time entrepreneur. I don't have to stress about where my next paycheck's coming from. I don't have to, well, I mean, I guess as an entrepreneur, you always have to quote unquote stress where your next paycheck's coming from. Okay. But like, when could you take your stress levels down a little bit for saying, oh, I, I got this now. Like, I, I know what to do. I know what it takes and I can maintain this as long as I want, essentially. Oh, that's a good question. Cause there's been so many points, I think in my path that I was like, yes, I made it. But I would say like when I really was like, yes, like this works was the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was panicking and people, right. There was all these narratives around people don't have money for coaching or like, you know, inflation is going sky high and there's no market for this. And right. Everything was kind of shutting down, which you think the virtual world be- would become more prevalent. But if people don't value that, right, it's like there was just all of this like negativity, right, pumped into me. But I not only sustained my business, but grew my business, right? So it's like through the challenges, I was able to pivot, right, and start new programs, start new offerings, connected with a brand new community, other communities that I leverage, right? So it was kind of like when I was completely virtual and knew that like, hey, everything shut down, like I can't do stuff out in the world, only in this world. That I was like, yes, because if I can make it only in this world, then I can make it when the world opens up here and there. So that's what really spoke to me. And I think in one of the most challenging times that we'll ever 
experience the society. Like I, I often think to myself, like, what are people that never lived through this going to look back and watch like TV and documentaries on this? Like, what the hell are they going to think? Like, oh my God, this is how those people had to live. Like, that's terrible, you know? So. Yeah. And, and just out of curiosity too, um, have you reached your your previous corporate income or are you getting close or how, or uh, I'm curious about that? Yes. Yes. Definitely reached my previous corporate income Woo! and continuing, <laughs> continuing to grow. So that's yeah, from six to now, as one of the uh, guests that were at my talk at Popfest, she was like, from six to seven figures. And I'm like, yes, you know, I left my six figure income. Now let's work towards seven. So absolutely. And and it's been, you know, just such a blessing. And yeah, like any entrepreneur, like you, you never really know, right? I mean, it, it's it's not certain. And I think that's what, speaking of mental health, causes a lot of, you know, little T trauma and kind of discord within a lot of entrepreneurs. It's the uncertainty. It's the un instability, right? But on the on the beautiful side of it is there are ways and systems you can create. Again, why I love member vote, why I love active campaign, you automate so you don't have to always be in it, right? There are months or downtimes where you just can't be here, but you still have systems and programs and people kind of working for you in the background to keep it going. No, that makes sense. And how did you figure out, because what I've learned too, when it comes to growing your business is that usually the top thing you can do is charge more and, and mm-hmm. increase your pricing and services. So tell us more about the journey of what you first charged to work with someone. And if you're comfortable sharing what you charge now and what that journey looked like. Sure. Um, so I'll share that I, I use energetics as I do in everything that I do in my pricing, right? So mm-hmm. 18 is a number that is very resonant. I mean, two is, but 18 is my main resonant. Um, it means in, in my culture and in my tradition, life, right? My podcast is called Alive, right? Coming alive. That's the whole story of my journey. And what I help other people do, right, is come alive. So all pricing is in denomination of 18, right? So obviously it depends on the offer, right? My one-on-one coaching is the highest ticket investment, right? Whether it's a three-month or a six-month package, it's all priced in denominations of 18. Now, what I did do in the pandemic, kind of speaking of that, to help really everyone that needed it without someone feeling like they couldn't afford it, is I did sort of tiered pricing, right? And that's something that I continue to do for people that, because I don't want somebody in an underserved or an underprivileged community to feel like they can't get the help. So I have tiered offers, right? So from a lowest ticket offer, which is my business membership, which is $54 a month. That's three times 18, right? Mm -hmm. To then obviously higher ticket, which is like 5,400, right? For a Mm one-on-one package, everyone feels like they can access me in in some capacity, right? Because even in my membership, you have calls with me, you can message me, you can email me, right? But then of course, the one-on-one, you just get so much more than that, right? So it's like tiered packages, right? And then I have my group program, which is sort of a hybrid approach, Right. Where it's like you do get some one on one, but then it's also part of a group program. But it's a little more right oomph than just a, a membership that's a monthly membership. So I think that's really important. And all is priced in denominations of 18. So I always tell my clients with like, what do I price? And I'm like, pick a number that like speaks to your soul. Like I have a client that loves the number three, which hmm. 18 is obviously six times. That's the, the root number is three. But she always says hmm. all good things come in threes. So I said, mm. we we'll use that, you know, three, 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 right? A lot of people use that in the spiritual world, like angel numbers or certain numbers that resonate with the energy that you want, because money is energy really at the end of the day. And I won't go too deep in this, it's a whole nother conversation. But my ideology is based on a book that I read a long time ago called, this is just 
I didn't get it from the book. I had it before, but the book really validated it. It's called It's Not Your Money by Tasha Hmm. Silver. Right. And again, in my tradition and what I've studied, it's that our money is not our own, right? Like our money doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the universe, right? Because if you think about it, not to be morbid, but when you die, where does you don't take your money with you, right? It's not yours and so your money was your there family, though, or wherever you want to go to That's in true. your will. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. But I just believe that it, it's part of like something bigger, right? And so I really try to think about that in my pricing, but also give opportunity through this tiered approach that anyone can have access, right? That like, okay, if one-on-one coaching is something that's too big and too grand, you know, well, maybe just try with a session, right? One session is 540. And then, hey, if that doesn't work for you, well, then I have payment plans. You know, we can spread it out over three payments or even I've done over 12 months to really like make make it affordable for somebody that couldn't. And you know what? People do, they make the commitment, they make the investment, that investment fuels what they're going to do, which helps them make more money, right? And so, again, it just kind of fuels uh, fuels the energy that you're putting out there. And and how did you discover who you wanted to work with and who you can help? How did you discover that? It's uh, a good question. So, number one, a lot of soul searching, right? And as I always say, I typically work with people that are a version of me. Not necessarily me, like they may not have my interest. They may not live where I live. Their trauma may not even be the same, but like we resonate for some particular reason. Like I see a piece of me in you. And I always teach that to my clients, like your clients are going to be you of the past that needed help, that didn't know the way, that needed to know kind of that next step. And even right now I work with a coach. (laughs) We always joke because he's, it's my second male coach actually, because I always said, I help women. So I need a woman coach. And then I tried it last year. I worked with a shadow worker who was a male. What's a shadow worker? What's that? What's a shadow worker? It's a thera- therapist or mentor that helps you work through kind of your trauma. And so the dark, the dark moments of your past. So it's kind and of like called shadow of workers. The, yeah, they're called shadow workers. But huh. now I'm working with more of like a business coach and through some of the you know strategic things in my business. And we had our very first session and he was just like, Oh my God, it's creepy. Like you're me. Like I've never even met literally me. And it's weird because he's lived a different life. We have a different past, a different background, different, but it's like at our core, like we're kind of the same person. And so I always say like, that's who you speak to. But I started with like journaling kind of like, I know it sounds cliche, but like, who's your ideal avatar? Like really just painting the picture. Like, you know, what's there like starting with one person. Okay. His name is Andrew Weiss. He's this amount of years old. He lives in New York City. You know, he's engaged to so-and-so. These are the books he reads. These are the magazines, you know, that he loves. This is like, like really painting that picture. So when you're recording the episode, creating the piece of content, creating the program, you just envision that person in your mind and say like, mm-hmm. this is who I'm here to serve. Wow. I, I love that. Because I think that's what people forget as well is like, you know, I, I know it's, goes back to like the, the yin and yang, the balance of like, yes, you want to heal your trauma so you can become successful, but you also don't want to let your traumas hold you back from being successful. Yeah. But then of course, you also hear stories about people who don't heal their traumas and become successful anyway. And then because they didn't heal their traumas, they're like, ah, they, they, they oh, yeah. collapse and, and mm-hmm. uh, everything crashes down on them. And so how about when it comes to deadlines and timing? I, I know like, you know, some people say, oh, it's all divine timing. But at the but uh, you know that's what's tricky about life is you know what's free will versus what's fate versus what de- what's destiny 
What is your perspective on creating timing and deadlines for goals that in achievements that you want to go after? Yeah, that's a really, really great question again, because I speak about there's two elements of time. And you know, I'm going to bring some esoteric some lofty concept that some people are like, what the hell is she talking about? But I yeah. believe in it and I've experienced it. So I can actually tell you real life stories that prove it. So there's two types of time that I believe we live in, right? So we are souls in a human body. That is the spirit, the divine time, which they call Kairos. But then there is the logical time that actually man created to understand the world, right? Because our ancestors, we didn't have clocks. If you go way, yeah. way, way, way back in time, they, they told the time by the sun and the moon, right? Mm -hmm. Nature told our time. So we weren't so ruled by like, oh my God, it's 4.30 and I haven't done this, 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 or I have to get up at this time to be, right? To me, those are stories. And I've proven that over and over again, because if you tell yourself you have a week, you'll take the week. But if you tell mm -hmm. yourself you have an hour, you'll take the hour. Mm -hmm. so my point in all of that is that's a blend of Kairos and Kronos. Think chronological, which is mm. logical time, right? So we are humans. We are souls in a human experience in a human world. So can we completely live in divine time? No, because again, that's not like you said, the yin and the yang, that's not the balance. Yang is the chronos. That's the chronological. That's the structure, right? We need that. But we also need some kairos. We also need to believe in that sort of esoteric, lofty, right? Wayne Dyer actually says, I don't know if you've ever read um, any of his books, but he has these prompts at the end of the book. And he says, if you never knew what time it is, how would your life would be different? And that really hmm. spoke to me because time is, is like my crypto. I mean, it's, it's something that cripples me. At, like, I'm always like, I never have enough time. I never have enough time. And I want to do this and this and this. And it creates so much anxiety. But honestly, Andrew, if I didn't look at the clock, I probably would get more done. So hmm. like, I do believe there's an element where time becomes so confining if you let it. So it's a blend hmm. of kind of divine, right? So it's the same with my programs. Like I'll set a date that I want to launch. But I also leave some room in case something happens, right? In case I don't get the numbers of the people, right? I try not to set this hard, fast date. What I do set the chronos on, though, is the amount of people I want in there, the amount of money I want to make, right, on a particular, like those type of goals. But the time, right? I mean, time really is infinite in, in our universe. And, you know, we like to think that we're in control of so much as human beings, but Honestly, as Deepak Chopra says, we're 0.000001% of this whole universe. Like we're honestly like nothing but a speck of dust. So wow. like knowing that it seems confining, but actually to me, it's beautiful. It's like there's infinite possibilities. There's infinite time. It's only the limits you put on yourself by looking at the clock and letting it control you that makes the difference. Uh, so what, what, what's the quote again? How would your life look if you'd never looked at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And what, what yeah. book was that from? It's Wayne Dyer's book. I think it's called The Key to Happiness. Oh. Let me see if I can find it. Give you the exact. I just read it. I just finished it recently. But there are some really like, esoteric, like really just like mind deep questions, like mind blowing questions in there that really just like contemplate, contemplating life. Right. And they're like game changers. Like for me, I was having a lot of sleep issues. Because I kept looking at the time. Oh my God, it's two o'clock. Oh my God, it's, oh my God. And then I'm getting only get so much, so and so sleep. And it's like, 
that's so constricting. Like if I didn't know, then I could probably just fall asleep right away because I wouldn't have all of that mind chatter, which is based on the clock and the time. And well, I know that's tricky too, because your your body adjusts to consistency too. And so you yeah. do want to be on a consistent schedule. So you don't go to totally. bed at two and then wake up at seven and then go to bed at five, wake up at 12. Like, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that does make sense too, is like, you know, I, I still, the, the calm map, um, one of their, their top meditations as I, I still love is just like, when you feel hungry, eat, when you feel tired, sleep, when you feel thirsty, mm-hmm. drink, like life simple. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's, exactly. And, and just like remembering to yeah, focus on that. So you have a two hour morning routine, routine ritual every morning. What, what does that consist of? Yeah. So I wake up and I have a hot cup of lemon water, which helps kind you of wake up with a timer or, or naturally. Naturally. So I did do the timer for a while. Actually, so it's a blend. So my husband comes in, he gets up earlier. He mm-hmm. wakes me at a certain time, but then I ask myself the question, am I ready to get up or do I feel like I need more sleep? 99% of the time I don't get up. I was going to say, yeah, I feel like you wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but, but it kind of resets the clock, right? So like mm-hmm. based on the time he wakes me, I'm pretty much trained to get up an hour after. Mm-hmm. Like almost mm-hmm. like clockwork, right? So it's like I give gotcha. myself grace but like you said, your your body and your brain kind of reprograms itself to whatever reality, right, that you're mm-hmm. used to. But you can shift that at any time, right, by small time intervals, like going to bed 15 minutes earlier and then, right, so I kind of play with that. But yeah, I give myself the grace because I'm like, you know what, Andrew, I became an entrepreneur, so I didn't have to wake up to an alarm. Like, that's yeah. one of the core, re- and my client actually said that. She just quit her corporate job full time. And I said, what are you most looking forward to? And she said, Jessica. I don't want to set an alarm. And I said, you don't have to. <laughs> like, you don't, Because guess what? I can work till 10 o'clock if I want. Like who says I have to be up early, right? Like that's just yeah. like what society's condition, nine to five or nine to seven or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't set an alarm. I get up. I have a hot cup of lemon water. I don't touch my phone for at least the first hour, my cell phone. I have my iPad, which has no programs on it except for like just basic, it just has Wi-Fi, basic Google search and Insight Timer. That's the only apps I have on there. I open Insight Timer, which is the most amazing platform in a wealth. I think there's now over 150,000 plus more free. It's the largest library of free meditations in the world. It's called Insight Timer? Insight Timer. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Katie, Katie Kermitzo, she's on there. She's got like oh, tons nice. of, yeah, she has so many of her meditations. I actually talked with her uh, about Insight Timer at PodFest. Oh, perfect. So there's guided meditations, talks, um, anxiety therapy. I mean, sleep, music, there's live sessions. You can tune in at any time for like yoga or breath work. It's all free. I mean, you can upgrade and have a $60 a year membership, which is still really inexpensive. But anyway, I use that to meditate. Typically for 10, 15 minutes. I mean, 30 minutes if I have more time in the day, depending on what I have scheduled. I meditate. And then I kind of have this ritual where even before I meditate, I just kind of sit there. It's called like a tea ceremony. The Japanese call it. But I hold my hot cup of lemon water. Just a moment of mindfulness. Like I I drink the water. I appreciate the water. I look out the window. I have this beautiful Punciana tree, which is in full bloom this year. So I look at all the pretty red flowers and the sun and right as a holistic Hilda, which I just had her on my podcast, as she says, sunrise before screen rise, right? So get your mm-hmm. eyes exposed to natural light. So I go to the window. Sometimes I open the window, get some sun. I meditate. Then I come downstairs 
and I do some mantra meditation. I have an abundance mantra that I, it's just a video I play on Google while I'm making my coffee. It's 10 minutes and it's a mantra. So sometimes I say it, sometimes just hearing it subconsciously helps reprogram your brain. And then I come downstairs. Um, I have books I read. I do journaling. I pull tarot cards. So yeah, all of that typically takes about two hours a day. Every day, Monday to Friday? Yeah, actually yesterday I had an earlier call that was kind of like an unusual and I didn't have the last part, which is the reading and the Andrew, it affected my whole, like I was just off. Like I was like, oh my, and it even kind of affected me this morning. So today I was like, nope, need that extra hour. Like I only had an hour of the two. Uh, and I just believe, you know, if you don't have the time, get up earlier. You don't need the two hours to start. I started in my corporate job with five minutes. So out of everything I do, I just had a five minute meditation and I read one passage uh, a day from Mark Nepo's The Book of Awakening. It was like a passage a day, like kind of a quote and then a mantra and like a little fable lesson. That's all I had. It was about five, 10 minutes a day. Interesting. Oh, I like that. Well, as we wrap up here, I have a few more questions here. What do you think are the non-negotiable actions as an entrepreneur to be successful? Non-negotiable. So to me, social media, unfortunately, it's a double-edged sword. It's mm-hmm. a non-negotiable to continue to show up for your audience, mm-hmm. um, whether that's live, whether that's posts. I mean, I really make an intention five days a week to post something on social media, to connect with someone in DMs, to go live. I mean, that to me is a non-negotiable. Systems, having again, systems that work for you, that work well, right? Like pl- places to host your program, your host your podcast, that they all seamlessly work together as I talked about before. And lastly, I'll give you three because I think all good things yeah. come in threes, is the emotional. I always say it's the emotional aspects of entrepreneurship. But it's faith, it's faith, it's tenacity, it's having, you don't have to have my morning practice, but some kind of practice to prime yourself for the day, right? It's that mindset, right? That keeps you going, right? It's knowing your your ikigai, which I always speak about, your reason for being, what gets you out of bed? Why are you doing this? And even as an entrepreneur, I got to many points in my path where I didn't like a certain aspect of what I was doing. So I had to reevaluate that. Why? You know, if this particular program or this platform is no longer speaking to me, don't be afraid to pivot and surrender that and try something different. Oh, I love it. Uh, well, Jessica, this has been amazing. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, um, thank you. What are some of the yeah, two last questions? What are the best ways that we, people can contact you, get a hold of you and reach out to you if they want to connect with you more? Perfect. Yeah. I think I sent you some of my links if you want to link that up in the show notes, but the best places yeah. to reach me, I hang out most on Instagram. So at Mozen, M-O-Z-E-N underscore wellness. My website is jessicasilverman.vipmembervault.com. And I'm giving a freebie um, if I can share that here on the live. Uh, yeah. I spoke a lot about Ikigai, not even intentionally. I forgot that. That I've given you this is, but it's something I speak about every day. You go to bit.ly slash ikigai magic. It'll give you a taste of answering sort of these four empowering, life changing questions to help you know your ikigai, right? It's time to find out why your ikigai. Why are you here? What gets you out of bed? It's actually a great commercial too. If you go to Google, it's a Nestle commercial. 
Japan is a blue zone, right? Meaning these people live the longest, they have the greatest longevity. And it's mm-hmm. because they know their why, you know, you see the fisherman, he says, this is my ikigai. And then you see the entrepreneur, this is my ikigai, right? Like, it doesn't matter, you could be a janitor, and that could be your ikigai, right? We all have our purpose and our reason for being here that brings us inner peace. So I love that. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing. And then last thing, um, Jessica, what is the number one takeaway you want people to have from this talk today about Yeah, just everything we talked about. What's the number one takeaway you want them to have? Mental health is everything. I mean, I know that sounds cliche. I actually posted my own quote on Instagram last week that mental health is the root of all our suffering. Mm. It's at the core of all our suffering, right? Even the violence you see in the world, even, you know, the discord, any of that, right? If you boil it down, what creates that discord, it's mental health. So, that's what I really, right, not to be disempowering, to be empowering, that the more we work on this, the more we speak about it, the more we stop the stigma, we all heal as a collective. I love that. Well, thank you for coming on today. This has been amazing. Thank I know you. I learned a lot and then I'm yeah. sure people are excited to chime in and, and learn as well. And remember to reach out Jessica at Mosin Wellness. This concludes another episode 22, Jessica's Magic Numbers on uh, <laughs> Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers, y'all. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.